Wait, what am I saying? <laughs> You're listening. Oh. Right. You're, You're listening, listening to. <laughs> You're listening to discourse. 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 From, from from NPR. NPR. Amaranek Public Radio. I'm Eliana Kraut from Mamaroneck Public Radio. Today, our guest in the studio is Pace Theater teacher and Mamaroneck Shakespeare director, Mr. Zachary Moore. Unless you've been in Pace, Mamaroneck High School's performing arts program, it's likely that you've never seen Mr. Moore. However, if you've ever been inside the small, secluded section of the school, you know the magic he evokes. When he directs a show, the actors come to life, portraying various believable roles, from a young boy who never wants to grow up to an adult contemplating the importance of his name as part of his reputation in a life-or-death situation. Mr. Moore makes these polar opposite roles equally tangible for students as part of working hard to create the best show possible. After spending each day teaching every grade in the building, you can often find Mr. Moore at school until 10 p.m. or later preparing lights, sounds, and props for upcoming performances. Even students who have met his daughter and twin boys, in other words, the students who know him best, don't know that he taught as a professor at two colleges before coming to Mamaroneck High School. At one of them, he even started a program that certifies theater teachers to teach New York State. We brought Mr. Moore in to speak about how he found theater, his wife, and why theater is still such a big part of his life. In fact, after we spoke, he ran off to oversee a performance of The Crucible, his favorite play, which he directed as Pace's latest production. Here's our conversation from Tuesday, October 8th. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button. Thanks for listening. Hi. Thank you for joining us today. Of course. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. So the very first place I taught was in Texas, which is where I'm from. I taught at a school called Alvarado High School right outside of Fort Worth. And then I moved to a school called South Lake Carroll, which is between Fort Worth and Dallas. And then I went to grad school. So after going to grad school, I taught at NYU for a little while. And then I taught at Manhattanville College, where I began and ran their theater teaching training program uh, that led to state certification. And then I came here. This is my ninth year at Mamaroneck High School. I am the Pace Theater teacher. Uh, I also run the Shakespeare program that occurs here. Um, and all in total, I've been teaching for 20 years. Tell us a little more about your high school theater experience. Well, I, I did a variety of things. I mean, my primary interest at that time in my life was acting. Um, we actually had a middle school theater program. So I, I first took theater when I was in the seventh grade. Um, uh, against my wishes, by the way, but, um, and then in high school, I continued doing it and I was, uh, primarily on the acting side, but I did crew for several shows. Um, and then my senior year, I, um, was able to direct younger students, um, in a much, not a main stage show, but a smaller class show that they did. Um, so I had sort of very well-rounded, uh, experience, but yeah, my primary focus was acting at the time. So when did you fall in love with acting? Was it in that middle school show or a little later on? Really, it was in middle school. When I when I took the class in seventh grade, um, 
I didn't want to take theater. I was a very shy kid. I'm actually still very, very shy. I'm very, very introverted. I have difficulty talking to people and being in large crowds and things like that. Um, and it was really bad when I was young. Um, and my mom um, sort of forced me to take it because she thought it would be good for me and it would open me up. And she took like one theater class in high school and had a great experience in that class. So she forced me to take it. And there was something about it um, when I was doing it in our silly little exercises that we did in seventh grade and then the silly show we did in seventh grade and then continued that through in eighth grade, there was something about it that for some reason when I was in a role, when I was not myself, I could be open and I could and I was not afraid um, of other people, of speaking up, of uh, being sort of in uh, the spotlight, for lack of a better way of putting it. And that really changed me a lot um, and changed sort of how I viewed myself. Um, I was also very math-centric at this time, and I began to learn a lot more about how to um, dissect language and uncover themes and meanings and motivations behind what people do. And that really altered my view. And so it was all of that that I really began to fell in love with and the change I was seeing in myself and the fact that while it wasn't that all suddenly I was this phenomenally extroverted outgoing person, but I was dealing with other people that I didn't know much better. I was able to talk to adults much better than I used to be able to. Um, and something about being a part of this uh, just sort of just sort of altered me and transitioned me. And once that happened, I realized that it was not something that I could necessarily be away from. Although at that time, I still didn't want it to be a career necessarily, but something I wanted to be a part of. A lot of people have the experience where they're shy and introverted, and then they step on a stage and it's just different. Do you have any idea why that is? Um, it's safe, I think. Because, so, you know, some people might say, no, it's not safe at all. It's exposing. Oh my gosh, I'm up there. But um, when you're not yourself when when you have the guise of saying you know what this is actually a role this is this is not me you can actually be yourself more and you can access different parts of yourself and put those on display um, because there's just this tiny little barrier between the actual you and the people watching you so that tiny little barrier allows you to become more comfortable in your own skin and um, gives you a slight safe haven to express yourself in ways that you can't if it's just you and another individual and that barrier is not there. Have you experienced that through your student size as well? There are students who, when they first start out and you see them, and even the idea of performing is something that, they're, that is just so scary to them. And even if it's just increasing a little bit of comfort uh, to be able to put themselves out there in this one moment without completely shying away and without giving up, there's a growth in that individual. Given that you're working in a high school, I'm in high school, lots of people who are going to be listening to this are in high school, how would you describe what your high school experience was like? My experience was rich um, and strong, and I was very fortunate to go to the school I went to. It had a vast amount of diversity. Our school uh, was 50% uh, minority, and um, we had people of all walks of life, all different socioeconomic um, backgrounds, and that experience alone enriched me. And um, even though I had my friends that did theater, in my classes I talked to a wide variety of other students, and I interacted with a wide variety of other students and um, 
the diversity that I lived through uh, and met with day after day after day shaped my worldview in a really lovely way, I think. How did that impact where you chose to go to college? There's a community college in Waco, of all places, called McLennan, um, that has a ridiculously phenomenal theater program. A number of people I knew had gone there, a number of adults and teachers that I had met with recommended it, and I went and saw their shows, and they were unlike anything I had ever seen before in my life. They were very movement-based. They had a phenomenal dance teacher who was part of Martha Graham's company for a long time, um, and an incredible theater director. Um, and so I, I wanted small personalized training and for two years I got that and I would still say regardless of the other schools I went to um, that most of my knowledge about theater um, about acting about directing about theater in general comes from those two years from my freshman and sophomore year of college if I would have gone to a larger school it probably would have been uh, a rich experience but I don't think that I would have learned the vast amount that I learned when I was there. Um, I knew from the beginning that I wanted to be a teacher, so I wasn't looking for like high intense acting programs, although I ended up going to one um, afterwards, um, uh, right, right out from the beginning. Um, so I was really just looking for a place where I felt I could learn and that provided that for me. And then from there I transferred to the University of Texas at Austin and I was part of their BFA program. Um, at UT for my final two years of school. And that was a great experience. And again, the BFA program is a, is a small subset of people within a huge department. The University of Texas Theater Department is just absolutely massive. It's got like a thousand students um, in it. And so, but being a part of the BFA program allowed me to act and work with MFA students um, and professional directors and things like that, which was really rich and wonderful. Um, but I still think that the experience I had before before I got there is really what um, drove me uh, uh, in my work. And there's still the foundations that I fall back on even today, even with grad school at NYU. I still think that those two years at McLennan were the most pivotal in my educational career. Um, when I left undergrad, I thought, I'm never going back to college. I'm finished. I can be out in the real world. And then I'd been teaching for three years. And since the time I was 14, I knew I wanted to teach. It wasn't theater at first, but I knew I wanted to teach. I thought I wanted to teach history, actually. And it shifted to theater. And I'd been working towards that goal for so long. Um, and then I was doing it, and I felt good about what I was doing, and I felt successful about what I was doing. But I thought to myself, I've essentially although lived in different cities, lived in the same regional area my entire life. I've just had this one goal uh, that I've gone to, and I feel like I need something different just to see, just to experience more. And the biggest difference that I could think of was New York. And so I applied to one school. I applied to NYU. Um, and I thought that if I didn't get into NYU, um, that I would just keep doing my job and be perfectly happy. Um, and so I got into NYU, and I moved to New York. And went to grad school, and I even at that point, I wasn't sure that I was going to stay in New York. I think I was thinking I would go to grad school, and I would head back to Texas. Uh, but I met my wife, and things change, and one thing leads to another, and here I am. So if you would like to share a sweet story of how you met your wife. Sure. We are both part of this, the same grad school program. Um, we met on our first day of classes. Um, but we were friends for a long time before um, 
before our relationship dynamics changed. And really for most of that year, um, we were we were very good close friends, although she tells people that she stalked me and she would just happen to end up at the Starbucks at the same time I would and just happen to end up at the vending machine when I when I was there or whatever it was. But um, but for the most part, uh, we were just phenomenally wonderful friends. And then and so we met in uh, late August and then it was the following June that we um, started dating. Um, and I. You know, I just go back to my mom had one sort of saying about relationship. Well, she had many things, but one of her primary ones is that love is friendship on fire. Um, and um, she was my best friend, absolutely, in the world, and unlike anybody I'd ever met. So you let a match, and there you go. Aw, that is so sweet. As a director, you've talked a little bit about your process in your class. And I'm fascinated by the idea that you spend so much time reading every script before it touches any actor's hands. How did you come to the conclusion that that's how you direct best? Um, so I do theater because I love stories. Um, I love looking at the human experience. And you can't read something one time and understand all of the variation that these characters go through and have inside of them. And you can't understand what their specific experiences are really doing to them. Um, so the only way I know how to do that is to read and read and read and read. And a lot of directors go through a process where they're writing a ton in their script and pulling it apart. And, and I do do a little bit of that, but for me, there's something just about letting the words wash over me again and again and again that I begin to develop an understanding. One of my favorite theater practitioners, Anna Devere Smith, in sort of a slightly different way, says, if you say a word often enough, it becomes you. And the idea behind that of owning language and language opening up parts of you and, um, and really becoming you, I think is similar both in that aspect but also in reading it and uh, letting it hit you and, and if you just read it over and over and over again there will be understandings even at times when it feels like you're slogging through oh my gosh I've read this thing 15 times and now I'm jumping back in for a 16th time um, even in those times there are moments that suddenly just turn alive and when they and when they become alive in you in those moments they stick with you and you don't have to take a vast amount of notes on that moment because there's something that's just resonating within for lack of a better way of putting it resonating within your heart and resonating within your soul and you know that while it's not necessarily um, something that's concrete that there's a way to get to that and there's a way to open that up once you jump on your feet and work through it in rehearsal um, so I do write things down I do analyze things I write things more in notepads than I do in the actual script itself so I'll have like these notepads that I just keep going back and referring to time and time again when I look back but for the most part um, I know that if before I walk into a rehearsal process I've read a play somewhere around 30 times um, that it'll sort of be in my blood 
um, and I can respond much faster in a rehearsal room to what's happening in front of me. If I don't have to keep referring back to something I've written down, if I don't have to keep going like, oh, wait, what did I say about this? What was that moment? Let me go back and look at it. If it's just more a natural part of me, when something happens, I can respond immediately in the moment, much like an actor can do if they have it inside of them and they're working with somebody else. So I sort of treat directing in that way and that I'm responding to my performance just as I would think a character is responding to another character in the show. Um, and I need to be able to do that because you have to be flexible because your performers are going to bring in things that you have not even thought of and you haven't even seen. And so all of the um, information you've gathered has to be able to respond in that moment when it happens. When I'm reading a script, I, I never think, oh, I'm looking at this from a director's point of view. I always look at it from the experiences of the individuals. So it's not even like an actor's point of view or whatever it is. It's just like what is happening with the people that the author has put on these pages. And something about doing that creates a quote-unquote director's vision for the piece. Um, if I begin by saying, what's the director's lens? What's my like outside stuff and all of that junk? I feel like I'm forcing things on top of it. But if I say, what's happening with these people? What's their experience? And that begins to, to rise up out of the pages. I can then say, this is what's happening. This is how we need to tell this story. And the story is the most important part of any play. Not any kind of spectacle, not any kind of cool thing a director can do, but what is the story and what's so important about telling the story. When I've seen your shows, your fall plays, the two casts that you have are always very, very different. Maybe one actor makes a choice to just stand still while saying a line. Meanwhile, the other runs across the stage. Where in your process does that change happen? Or is it just completely natural? It happens all along the way. I think that it becomes most profound once the once I choose what the two casts are and they split and start working and start creating relationships with the people they're definitely going to be on stage. But all through the process, when you're when you're talking about characters and what they're going through, the, the wonderful part about humanity is two people can have the exact same idea about a character but their natural instincts cause them to display it in different ways because they have their own personal aesthetics that they're bringing to. A character is always a mix between the character and the actor that's bringing them to life. And no individual is the same, so no character is going to be the same in those actors' hands. Um, regardless of the fact that they, they both might think, oh, this character is experiencing this at this exact moment, the way they choose for that moment to come alive is going to be so different. So it's sort of planted all along the way just because they're different people, but it really begins to take shape once I look at it and decide, okay, you people are going to be performing with you people, you people are going to be performing with you people, and now we're splitting up and we're just working in our groups. And that's when the differences really occur because they find what's comfortable for them and what works for them. Um, and as much as I have ideas about the characters that want to be displayed, I don't always have to say, well, it has to be done this way because that limits the performer and limits what they do. So when you're watching a show, like the real show taking place for an audience, do you watch from an outside perspective or do you still feel like you're very much part of it? In every play that I do, I'm still very much involved with it and I'm always looking and always watching for this or for that. But inevitably, the performers do things that cause me to suddenly be just a um, spectator and get carried away just as any audience member would. To have worked on something for so long, yet still have these young, wonderful human beings do work that can transport you out of yourself. Um, 
And I feel really lucky that I work with students every year who do that. Um, and it's a great gift to me, and it happens all the time. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time. Thank you. This was fun. (laughs) 